Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, live, holding a God Hates Feds t-shirt in front of his grizzly face, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. The I'm not wearing a black shirt today, so I feel a little uncomfortable. Mm. I'm going to just crudely lay this one up over this shirt. It'll be better. You can go to godhatesfeds.com to pick up the, the best Fed-hating merch. Use the promo and, code WACO to get 10% off. And while you're at it, you might as well go to the Fed Haters Club, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is joingmail.com. Do all those things. Should that have its own URL? That's where we have fun. I don't know. You do the math. Fed Haters Club. Is that too much stuff to type in? Like, join Gmail is way easier to type in, you know? Did you put a link on godhatesfeds.com? Yeah, there's a link on there for that. Yeah, so if you're on godhatesfez.com, you'll find it. Yeah, one way or another, or the link is in the show notes. If you want to be a real libertarian, you'll find it. That's true. If you don't find it, then obviously you're not one. Well, it's Monday, Charlie. We had Easter over the weekend, and um, I went over and colored some eggs. Yeah, that was a good time. At your house, and your son enjoyed it. There's a six-year-old. Yeah. Because if it was just us coloring eggs, it... We also realize that we don't know how to color eggs. Like, we don't know how to do that. Is there supposed to be vinegar? Is there not? We took like, what's the combination the... of our history and put them together <laughs> as as individual humans coming together for a collective purpose. So you who had, Voluntarily. You did not do egg dyeing or coloring as, as you were going, probably because you couldn't afford the eggs. Exactly. And, um, and our chickens were dead. My... So my grandma always put the eggs and all the coloring and all that stuff together. Like, I don't know the proper mixture of, of everything. And apparently neither one of us had smartphones on us, so we couldn't look it up. And it was a, it was a fun time. Let me Actually, tell you what. you know what? We didn't have smartphones on us because we were engaged we with were each other. in the moment. I don't think a single, well, actually you were on your phone the whole time. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I was playing a game on my phone. I wasn't on really on the internet. So, <laughs> but me, Nate's wife, and my son were engaged in coloring eggs, mm-hmm. and it was like it was a good time. All right, well, this is Good Morning Liberty, where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of the proper mode of egg coloring. And mm-hmm. if you've got a really good recipe, let us know uh, by this time next year. It turns out let us know. that if you add a splash of vinegar into the water with the food coloring, it that worked better for it, us. It does better. Yeah. So So, we found that out later on. Mm. Well, we've got a few topics of conversation today. This isn't the most just well laid out plan that we've ever had on a show, but there are a few things that I thought worth uh, would be worth our time. There was a shooting in Louisville this morning. Um, I, I don't have many details on that. I've seen conflicting reports that there were four people that died. I saw some, uh, one saying the five people that died, uh, I saw a report saying that there were like 11 people shot in total. It was at a bank. I was going to say school bank. It was at a bank. bank. Um, it was someone that was apparently suicidal. I, if the initial reports are correct, this person texted a friend uh, beforehand. So we don't have a ton of details. We don't know who to blame at the moment, except for uh, the shooter, who it turns out was wrong. Yeah. And what he did. Mm-hmm. And so that's the main topic. Oh, and the guns. If you removed all guns from American life, then this would not have been physically possible to happen. Mm-hmm. So we just need to remove 
all 600 million of them from public life. And then we won't have these problems anymore. And that's going to be the narrative. If this one is as juicy as the last one, we'll see. This was uh, the 8 millionth mass shooting this month. And so um, whatever the narrative turns out being for this one, I'm not trying to make light of the situation. Very sad, of course, but details are emerging. No, you're making light of the ridiculous notion. The stupid stuff. Gun is the problem. Mm -hmm. Not the person committing the violent act. Like as literally the person responsible, yeah. Oh. All right, uh, Kamala, Kamala, how are we supposed to say it? Kamala Harris, VP Harris, visited Nashville to offer her condolences to the families of the six people who were murdered in that mass shooting a couple weeks ago that did spark some protest and stuff, but she was here just to lay wreaths for the families of the children that died. Uh, no, actually, she didn't meet with any of she didn't those. Do it, that it was at all. all. No, it was no. for the uh, the legislators that were kicked out of office, I guess, expelled from the House, which is a thing uh, because of this protest. We'll talk about that. We'll play some clips from what she had to say. What else on the list? Daniel Perry, who was accused of murder of a BLM protester, Garrett Foster, in, in Austin, Texas, uh, back in. You remember that time when there was a bunch of protests going around? Mostly peaceful protests that were yeah. going around. Yeah, they had um, big fires. It was like back the buildings then. And stuff. A uh, a judge ruled that even though this uh, this abortion pill, I can't remember the name of it right now, is FDA approved. We all know that. That I guess we got to get rid of them. All the all the abortion pills and people on the left saying, "Well, we're just you know we need to ignore this ruling. Uh, we don't need to pay attention to what this judge has to say." We'll see if we can get down to that. And then, remember, we were going to save this economics conversation for this week also that we we mentioned in Dumb Bleep. So, quite a few things. We're likely to get through the first two or three. Yes. something, And then we have other episodes. There's episodes like every day of the week, by the way. Mm. This is your first time. Okay. Which one? You want to do Kamala Harris come to Nashville or you want to do the, uh, the murder Uber slash... Kamala uh, comes to Nashville. Kamala comes to Nashville. Okay, so we've talked about this a little bit last week. We know some of the story. Uh, these representatives here in the great state of Tennessee. We actually have more details, by the way, on yeah. why they were actually removed um, because they they were found to be hiding bullhorns inside the chamber mm-hmm. for when the protesters broke through. Which means they knew that the protesters were going to try to come in. It was a pre-planned yes. Uh, insurrection. Yes. is what it was. It was an actual pre-planned <laughs> insurrection. Um, and so that broke the house rules. Like, hey, you can't tell people to come in here when we're in session, by the s- way. Someone else was speaking. They were going through actual business at the moment that all of this happened. And they mm-hmm. went down to the floor, to the well, as they call it. Apparently, that's a name everyone's supposed to know. Down to the well mm-hmm. uh, to speak when they were not recognized to speak. Uh, went um, down to with the, the well. With the, uh, the bullhorn. And uh, the, the lady, uh, Johnson, Gloria Johnson was her name that was not expelled. White lady, older white lady. From what I'm told, she was apologetic about the incident and that was basically the reason that she didn't get all the votes everyone else did she came one vote shy of being expelled there were like a few people and she wasn't black so um yeah 
Tom said, wrong again. She was spared because she's white. That's the only reason. Uh, might have also been that she apologized uh, for doing what she did. and She took the some accountability? Yeah. yeah. What? It turns out that, well, I want to hear Kamala Harris talking about this. We have a few clips. Some of them might run into uh, the same portion, but here's a two-minute clip of Kamala speaking this weekend, not too far from us. You know when you do better about going downtown and videoing something? We had Easter you know? this weekend. Ah, sure, it was Easter, yeah. And Jesus wouldn't like that. No. All right, let's play this. Every movement, every movement. Only on the right? In my mm -hmm. perspective, that has been about progress in our country was led by the young leaders like John Lewis and Diane Nash and you. The best ones. Every one of them. She forgot their name for a second. <laughs> And so we are going to be depending on you in solidarity with the work we will all do in our respective positions to lead. You speak with such clarity. You speak by telling the truth through a lived experience. Your voices are part of the conscience of our country. When we need in these moments in time people who have something in them that is about empathy, about care, about a sense of responsibility for their brother and sister, we need you all. I can't listen. To I this. know. I know. This is, God. this is so terrible. Um, so they're the ones that are empathetic. They're the ones that care. And so by default, now you can't, there's nothing you can say. There's no counterpoints that you can make mm -mm. because if you do, well, then you're just going to dismiss their feelings. It's true. You're they, just going to dismiss the fact that they care. They have to tell the story through their lived experience, their truth, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it just, I don't know if I should show some Which, of the, by the way, those people leave no room for any other lived experience. No, no. It's only that one. It's not, it, you know, a reasonable person would be like, okay, well, I understand that that's your lived experience. Here's my lived experience. Let's put them together and see if we can't find the experience in the middle. Mm -hmm. But with these people, there is no middle. It's not because they're the empathetic, caring ones. You're the opposite of empathetic and caring. Mm -hmm. So to you, to them, you're a cancer. We must get rid of you. If you won't allow us to do whatever it is that we want. And if you don't, then you don't care about democracy. Exactly. Basically. Let's hear a few more shorter clips of Kamala talking. It wasn't about the three of these leaders, it was about who they were representing. It's about whose voices they were channeling. Understand that, and is that not what a democracy allows? A democracy says you don't silence the people, you do not stifle the people, you don't turn off their microphones when they are speaking about the importance of life and liberty. 
I wish we should have showed up there with bullhorns. I know. Speaking our truth and yeah. see if they would have shut us up or not. <laughs> no, because in a democracy, whenever you want to speak, you just grab a bullhorn and speak over everyone else. And if someone tries to stop you from doing that, then they don't care about democracy. They don't care about your truth. And uh, one more little clip, and then we'll a talk about that. Now, Silence same thing. the people. You do not stifle the people. You don't turn off their microphones when they are speaking about And so the question I have on this, you know when you watch these congressional hearings, the televised ones, they get recognized for a specific amount of time. Um, and then they have to stop talking after that. And then you move on to the next person because the the next person also has a specific amount of time that, that they can speak. And so she keeps talking about, you don't silence them. You don't turn off their microphones when they're speaking in Congress in the U S Congress. And I'm sure in the state houses, they, actually they do. literally do turn off your microphones. Yeah. You go over the amount of time that you're allotted to speak. And she says, it's not about the Tennessee three as they're calling them. Oh God. It's not about them. It's about the people that they were speaking for. And you're silencing those people. And in a democracy, you don't silence these people. You let them speak. And like what you just brought up a second ago, Chuck, are we now is, let me just get this straight. If you don't agree with what the legislature is about to do, let's say they are going to vote to, uh, you're in Illinois and they're going to vote to have mobile abortion clinics pulling up to your house. Uh, to to just go get in the back of the van and and perform an abortion for people, you know, on the on the taxpayers' dime, something like that. If you don't agree with what the legislature is about to do, and you're you've ran out of the time that you're allotted to speak, and by the way, it's like eighty five percent of the legislature is totally fine with this. That's the way the vote's going to go. You just get to stir up a bunch of people that are upset. Get them to storm the the Capitol while this is in while while you're in session and grab a bullhorn and just do whatever you want. Is I'm just trying to make sure that that is the principle that the vice president is laying out. That if you don't agree with what the legislature is doing, you just take over the legislature and speak because that's democracy, right? Right. That's what she's saying. Or do you think yeah. it just applies in this one specific scenario? Well, it's also why you have to remain principled, which is what we brought up last time, which is why the Jan 6 incident was not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Because now you've opened Pandora's box for the left. And this is going to be, Tennessee's just the beginning. This is going to be happening all over state legislators. Guaranteed. Guaranteed now. Mark my, my words. Question. Should the right do this? I know that I know what the principled philosophical answer is like I, I know that but I'm just what I'm wondering is should we test this idea that if you don't agree with what's going on that you just take over and bring your own microphones and just take over the the chambers yeah in in protest like what I'm asking you is should the right do this when it comes to things like abortion you can just use abortion if you want to what do you think you know, that is, that's a, that's a tough question because at what point, at what point do you need to actually give someone a dose of their own medicine? Not just a dose of their own medicine, but at what point 
at what point does standing up for the right thing, let's say, be, become necessary for certain actions to take place? I got you. Where the majority may be playing by the rules, let's say, and they're, you know, they're voting themselves liberty away from you. At what point do you stand up and say, I'm not, I'm no longer going to support this? I don't give a shit about your rules, Yeah. by the way. Do you think it was right, uh, Magoo was saying that, uh, you know, expelling the people that do that rather than copying their tactics uh, would be the, the best way of doing it. Do you think that the Tennessee legislature did the right thing? They could have voted for, what, a censure or a, that, you know, a, con- a vote of condemnation for what the person person did. To put them on notice or something like that. I don't know. Because I don't know all the rules. Yeah, like, yeah. What are they? What are the rules called that everybody goes okay. by? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Probably don't, spend your first term just trying to learn those rules, yeah. whatever they are. No idea what it all means. Uh, this, by the way, uh, I guess we could show this first, but, but this is what happened. This is a video from the from the floor. So they were in session at this point. By the way, there's someone at the podium, uh, up at the podium that was speaking. And now the three are up here in front. Uh, Justin Jones is up here with the bullhorn. Appears to be one bullhorn. I think he's the one that concealed it and brought it in. And he's from the floor, from the well, as they call it. He's yelling into a bullhorn, no action, no peace. A sitting member of the Tennessee legislature who is... I say in the minority, I don't mean by his skin color. I mean by his viewpoint on what the law should be. Overwhelmingly outnumbered in a very democratic way uh, on what he thinks should happen. And the democratically elected legislature is not going to vote to do the thing that he wants them to do. This is Tennessee. It's not going to happen. And he's up there saying in front of all of them, no action no peace. And there's protesters up in the balconies and stuff like that. And he's talking to them with his bullhorn. And so what I'm trying to figure out is, is the, the left saying that this is okay. Anytime you don't agree with what the legislature is going to do, even if you are overwhelmingly outnumbered in the policy that you think should be implemented, by like an 80 to 20 margin or whatever it would be in a Tennessee legislature, that even if it's that outnumbered, that if you don't get what you want, then you should be able to interrupt the proceedings and go up there with a bullhorn and prevent them from continuing about their business. It's not like they didn't give them their time to speak during the debate. Yeah. They had their time to speak on these matters. Let's watch this thing. I want to see what happens. Let's see what happens. What's weird is I see other black people <laughs> in here that weren't yeah. expelled. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I see that. 
Uh, that's just so strange to me. Um, T-Dub said all four of these interruptions to the political process, if we could have these types of interruptions every day in the legislation we get passed and see that as a win. Um, I do understand that as well. We talk about how gridlock in Congress is a pretty good thing. When they when they can't pass things, that's normally a pretty good deal for everyone. You know, having the having the divided, a split chamber like that, normally a pretty good thing, uh, except for when they do eventually find the compromise, it's pretty much bad for everyone. Mm. <laughs> and they do find those compromises sometimes. Um, what I'm worried about is there will eventually be action, it's just going to be whichever one can threaten the most mob violence on the others to uh, cause that action to to happen. And so if this kind of thing, like, uh, this is okay, this is the norm, well, it's going to be, that's going to devolve really quickly. And I think what, I think you said this to start off, I, I think we're going to start seeing this all over the place uh, in our in our state houses. And, and my thing is, like, <clears throat> let's let's talk about the facts, mm. okay? Right. What what really bothers me the most is how the media took this and instantly, instantly there were stories about how these representatives were expelled because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that to me is the disgusting part. And it's it, like if you want to have a serious discussion of whether or not you should be able to uh, filibuster with a bullhorn. And maybe the rules need to change or whatever, because we should let the minority speak more. And a minority in the sense of <laughs> not the skin color, but the, skin the color, but amount of votes you have. They're Democrats mm-hmm. in Tennessee. There's less Democrats than there are Republicans in the House. We could have a discussion around that, but the moment that you enter the race and the motivations and the assumptions of, on the other counterpart, you're not open to a discussion. You are. You are basically saying that these people are evil, and that's the only reason why they did this. They're trying to kill the democracy. They're your enemy. See, we told you. They're your enemy. And then we can have, there's no more discourse that can take place. You lose the ability to have functional discourse around an incident that maybe needs to take place. And if you want the other side to be open to some additional discussions, you can't come out and accuse them of their motivations and their assumptions and the things that they're doing. That's not, it's not, it's certainly not healthy. I'll tell you that. No, yeah. no, it's definitely the scale not. scale of health. It's, it's, <clears throat> the other thing that bothers me, you know, you said it immediately went to race. It's the other lie about this that's really bothering me, which is that uh, this, what the Republicans did is anti-democracy and these people's voices just needed to be heard and, uh, you know, what else were they to do? This, uh, we can, I guess, vote to change rules or whatever, but there is a decorum in your state houses and in the U.S. House. Do you think that Rand Paul hasn't wanted to get up and yell at the top of his lungs continuously on a bullhorn when things like the Inflation Reduction Act go through? Or when Obamacare was going through, there was a filibuster that happened, but you've got to get to the point where you can even actually have the filibuster on the, on these things. And then you got to be willing to stand there calmly on your feet. Yeah. By the way, you have to follow the rules you of the filibuster. You still have to follow the rules. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to bring a bullhorn in. You don't get to shout. And so maybe those rules are antiquated 
They're outdated. They're you know, antebellum. They're white supremacist rules, I'm sure, yeah. put in place by white supremacist people. They're certainly antebellum. They were probably yeah, we know that. before yeah. the Civil War. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely pre-Civil War rules that we're going through. And so let's talk about that. Do we need to change the rules inside of the state houses? That would be the discussion that we could be having right now. Well, their time ran out. Uh, there was no more debate on the floor about this thing, which, by the way, it's Tennessee. There was no way that they were going to vote to ban assault rifles or anything like that or assault weapons or any, anything like that. And so do we need to change the rules to make it easier for people to debate for as long as they want to on things? Well, there's a conversation that we could have whether or not we like the rules. But instead, what you're saying is by expelling these people and not letting them speak, you are against democracy. And so then you're laying out the principle of anytime you don't disagree with what the legislature is going to do, you just get up there with a bullhorn and don't allow anything to go through. And what I'm asking is, is that the principle that we're going to live by from now on? I just want to know. Instead, they get up there and they say all these lies about how we're not allowing people to speak and these people's constituents are disenfranchised and all that. Well, guess what? Even in a, even in a major, pure majoritarian democracy, half the people are not going to get what they want, or at least 49.9% of them mm -hmm. are not going to get what they want. And in this case, the people that want an assault weapons ban or whatever are not going to get what they want. More, more of the people do not want that in Tennessee. And therefore, shut up. That's it. Take your loss. Or let's have a debate about the rules inside of the state legislature. But don't get up there and say that these are anti-democracy, racist, they just want to disenfranchise people. We don't That's want to just lying and the voices that they represent we don't want to hear them yeah that no one ever said we didn't want to hear them speak your truth baby it's all the people that go along with I this i don't have to agree everyone on the left going along with this i'm sure you had some interesting conversations with family members pertaining to this i didn't engage you didn't no nope. <laughs> i got a text from my brother just ignored it yeah i wasn't in the headspace <laughs> You might have messed up the relationship if you would have actually engaged in that conversation. I was like, I should not text back right now. <laughs> this is not something I want to text back about. All right. So that's uh, those are our thoughts on the Kamala Harris visit and the ongoing Tennessee. Le These people are stars now, by the way. They're doing interviews on everything. Uh, they've been asked to come visit the White House. I mean, these people are being picked to represent this Victim, this victimized, disenfranchised movement of young people, and they are going to be the the faces now. And I I think that's one thing, possibly that the Tennessee legislature didn't fully calculate is that this might make things get way worse. I understand that they broke the rules, they interrupted the proceedings. Um, I just wonder if they knew what the repercussions were going to be. Um, whether or not they would have done you, it. But should you, you not do I know. the right thing based on repercussions? I know. I had yeah. that thought while I was saying that out loud. Like, no. Yeah. No, not really. Not really. So, okay. Costco says they knew. They knew. They knew. We know their farmers knew. All right. But they did it anyway. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, we're always growing and changing, so getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process. One thing I learned is self-awareness. I learned how to understand situations from other people's points of view. Over time, we learn what our personal boundaries are and what we need to find meaning and happiness in our lives. 
BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Therapy can be very beneficial. My life has gotten immensely better since trying it. Charlie does it too. In fact, he's been a BetterHelp customer for years. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GML. The BLM protester in Austin, Garrett Foster, who, interestingly enough, a lot of libertarians have been talking about this because Garrett Foster was a member of the Libertarian Party. He was a libertarian activist. And uh, he was out there in 2020 in Austin in a rally. Uh, gets shot by a, a, an Uber driver who's in his car. Uh, felt threatened by the protest. It's just the basic facts of the case. And the uh, the guy who shot him, Daniel Perry, has been found guilty as of last Friday. Now, the new information with that is that Texas Governor Greg Abbott said that he's working on pardoning Perry, uh, which we were discussing earlier in the Fed Haters Club, is not just... It's not like a presidential pardon where he says, you're pardoned, okay, next day you get well, let that out. depends on the state, you know? by the way. Yeah, I don't know in what Texas. Texas. Yeah, I don't know what Texas's laws are in that. In Texas... Some governors do have the power to pardon. The short amount I, I read is that Texas has a pardoning board that does the pardoning and that the governor can make a recommendation that he's pardoned to but the pardoning board. They have the ultimate authority. Yeah. It's still up to that board to vote. Now, uh I think that a recommendation from the governor is probably taken at the top of the list. Has a little more weight to yes, it. Yes, for, for all of the other recommendations that come in. Yeah. I think this one gets bumped to the top of the list for things that you should, um, I think that you should know, uh, they probably know that they need to listen to his recommendation. I, I don't know. Yep. Depends on if they're friends or not and how they pick the board. Is it, are they elected? Are they appointed by the governor? How does this how does this work? I don't know all that, all those specifics. Yeah, this article coming from The Guardian that we're going to read you. Listen to the way they end this, too. <laughs> this is great. A U.S. Army sergeant and rideshare service driver has been found guilty of the murder of a protester during Black Lives Matter rally in 2020. After an eight-day trial and two days of verdict deliberations, a jury in Travis County, Travis County, Tejas, Texas, found 33-year-old Daniel Perry guilty of murdering Air Force veteran Garrett Foster, 28. Perry is white, as was Foster. Just want to make that, you know. Perry was also in the uh, the Army at the time, too. They, they mentioned the Air Force veteran thing for Foster. Um, Perry, they I believe. A U.S. Army sergeant. Oh, did they say? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's right there at the top of right the thing. The very beginning. It's literally the first thing they say. While the jury also found Perry not guilty of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, the murder conviction left him facing a maximum of life imprisonment. He could be sentenced as soon as next week. According to the local television, according to local TV, however, Texas's Republican extremist governor Greg Abbott—that's the article's words, <laughs> not mine. I'm just reading the article. I mean that—that's their truth. Mm -hmm. That's their reality. In fact, that is the truth. And so, anyway, us making fun of it. Yes, we are. We're uh, extremists too. We're dismissing their mm -hmm. truth. 
<sighs> Greg Abbott said on Saturday on Twitter that he was already working on pardoning Perry from his conviction, which he called an attempted jury nullification of Texas's self-defense law. <laughs> Amen. Perry was driving for Uber in downtown Austin, where Foster was participating in a Black Lives Matter rally. Now, if you remember, Black Lives Matter rally was not just a rally. Yeah. I got a video. This turned a few into videos. all kinds of things. This case is not... I don't. I don't know where you're going to come down on it, Charlie. But the, this is not a. This is not a cut and dry case. On the night of the shooting, um, that's what was happening. According to police, Perry stopped and honked at the protesters as they walked through the streets before driving his car into the crowd. The Texas Tribune reported. Now, let me play the video of of uh, this happening. By the way, just to get everyone up to speed uh, on this, we talked about this when it first happened. Might have a different opinion on it now or I might at least on this whole thing uh, but here's video Someone got shot, guys. Someone got shot. Someone started playing music right after that. Please yelling, put your guns away. Yeah, so um, the driver had a gun on him, and Foster, the one who was shot, also had a gun on him, an AK 47. Uh, on him. We'll, we'll get into to more of the details. Perry's, the guy who was convicted, his attorney argued their client was forced to shoot Foster five times in self-defense after Foster approached his car with an AK-47 rifle. Meanwhile, prosecutors contended Perry had other options during the situation, including driving away before he fired his own gun at Foster. Now that one... Did it look like he could yeah. drive away in that video? I don't agree with that one. When you're surrounded by people in your car, um, I don't think simply just driving away in that scenario is as easy as it is to uh, to, to type out in this article right. right now. It's a little bit more difficult than that. But There were no yeah. passengers in Perry's car at the time of the shooting, which unfolded during nationwide demonstrations prompted by the murder of George Floyd. In court, prosecutors brought up Facebook messages that Perry sent prior to Foster's killing. In one message, Perry wrote, no pressers go near me or my car, and I might go to Dallas to shoot looters. Another message that Perry sent on the 31st of May said, I might have to kill a few people on my way to work. They are rioting outside my apartment complex. A few days later, Perry commented on a Facebook post of a video titled, Protesters, Looters Get Shot, San Antonio, Texas, writing, glad someone finally did something. During the trial, Austin police detective Bursley testified about evidence found on Perry's cell phone. Part of the evidence included online searches for protests tonight. Protesters in Seattle get shot, riot shootouts, and protests in Dallas live. This is an age-old story about a man who couldn't keep his anger under control, said prosecutor Gonzalez, according to the Austin American statesman. It's not about police and it's not about protest marchers. 
Garrett Foster had every right to go up to him and see what the heck was going on, and he had every right to do it with a deadly weapon. Meanwhile, Perry's attorney, O'Connell, argued that protesters, quote, didn't know anything about Perry when they attacked the car and boxed it in. Daniel had no choice, and that could have happened to anyone. Uh, O'Connell's argument... We don't have to go through with every single bit of this. Yeah, I was trying to see where else to go here. I think that that's good. Uh, so there's there's other things. To me, to me, it is a difficult conversation. Another part of the story was that Foster was with his wife. He's a full time caretaker for his uh, or his fiance. Uh, she's wheelchair bound, and apparently he was pushing uh, his wife in her wheelchair. And some of the accounts that I saw uh, were that he had to push his wife's wheelchair, uh, wife, I keep saying wife, fiance, out of the way uh, of the car when it pulled into the crowd. And the car basically pulled right up to them. And so I don't know, tough to see from the video, that he just uh, saw the guy in the car and ran up to him with a gun or anything like that. I, I think the car approached them. Now, the other flip side of the story is, why are you walking out in the middle of the road? <laughs> you know? There's like sidewalks and stuff, you know, yeah. that you could be going on. And so, now this, uh, now, to me, that gets more complicated because, okay, should people just be out there walking in the middle of the road and the car comes down the road, of course, and uh, that's how this altercation ends up happening. Um, I will say his messages are kind of disturbing. The messages are disturbing. That's probably what got him convicted. I do think the messages are what got him convicted, although I don't agree with the messages getting him convicted. I don't either. Because I don't agree with them. I'm just saying they are concerning. You can hold those beliefs and you can want you can watch the videos that we were all watching in 2020 and see videos of people that if you were there and you had your gun that you think need to uh, have repercussions for their actions and some of the assaults and things that were taking place that we all saw, uh, you can have those feelings. That doesn't mean that it immediately applies to the situation that you found yourself in. Now, what they probably made was the argument that he wanted to go downtown, get himself into a situation so he could shoot one of the protesters. Yeah. That's probably what happened. Um, I don't think that Foster... I don't think Foster meant any, any harm to him. Actually, here's a video... Uh, of Foster taken earlier uh, that night. This is from the post-millennial, and everyone's got their own spin on everything. One of them with Andy Noe's accounts is that they haven't mentioned any of the messages or anything inside of these articles I read from the po post-millennial. Uh, so I'll just play some of Foster here. Oh, it's uh, AK-47. Uh, what you got it out tonight? They don't let us march in the streets anymore, so got to practice some some of our rights. Cool, man. Do you feel like you'll need to use it? Nah, I think the, uh, I mean, if I use it against the cops, I'm dead. And I think all the people that hate us and, you know, want to say shit to us are too big of uh, pussies to stop and actually do anything about it. So. Why'd you start carrying? Well, our roommate got arrested and they stopped letting us march anywhere, so started carrying. Thanks. Okay. 
Uh, like what Magoo was saying and thing like, wait, you have the right to stop traffic. You have the right to go out in the middle of the road and impede people's travel right. uh, to and from where they work or where they live or anything like that. Like where do their rights come into play uh, to do what they want to do? And so once again, it's not super, it's not super easy here. And I'll show you, here's the part that makes it kind of, kind of more difficult to me. Um, at first in the 911 call, Perry said that the gun was pointed at him and he felt he had no choice uh, but to shoot. Later on, when he's talking to the police, to the investigator, he says the gun was not pointed at him and they don't find anything in videos of the gun being pointed at him. Uh, but he ends up saying that he didn't want to give him a chance to aim at him. Mm. And so then I get into the self-defense versus right to bear arms conversation. I saw a guy with a gun. The guy did approach his car. Um, and so once again, a little bit more nuance there. But if you have a gun that you're holding and you approach someone, is that enough to say that they have the right to kill you if you haven't aimed your gun at them? Like, does the act of having the gun in public pose a threat? And if so, is there a slope that could somehow be slippery was in there, making that argument? Was there a conversation that took place at all between these two? Or was I saw a guy with it really quickly. My, gun, my car and so I shot him? He pulled up into the crowd. Because my thing is, like, you don't, you don't have to wait to protect yourself. Yeah, I mean, if you wait for him to get the gun up to you, it's too late. Yeah. The, the game's so, over at that point. It depends on like, get it. what the situation is. Like, you don't, like, I don't have to wait for you to punch me in the face for. If I'm, know, if I'm doing this. Right. Then. Or even if you don't do that, if you say like, I'm going to punch you in the face, then I'd be like, okay, well, that's, that's the motivation here. That's why I'm wondering if there was a conversation. Uh, the whole thing took 15 seconds, they said, I, I believe. So. Footage of Daniel Perry's police interview after he killed Garrett Foster was played in the courtroom during his murder trial. Former Austin police homicide detective David Fugit was the one to conduct the interview with Perry. In it, Detective Fugit had Perry demonstrate how Foster carried his rifle. How high did that barrel come up? We have power about right there. Okay, was it aimed at you? Yes, sir. Okay, so how Foster carried his rifle barrel. God, uh, this is why you should have you. cops, by the way. He said, this... I didn't want to give him a chance to aim at me. And now, what... Also, he... but hang on a second. Yeah. This is why you don't talk to cops. <laughs> Do you see what he's doing there? He's like, well, how about how high? Mm -hmm. like, what Was it only right here? Was it right here? Was it right here? And you're... You just found out that the guy you shot is dead. He's in a state of obvious grief and panic. The, there's no way he's thinking clearly. Yeah. Right? But the, the, they take you in that vulnerable state and they were like, well, you know. It's like, man, you know, I need a, I need, I need a second to think on this. Here is a... Because uh, I really don't know what happened. It all happened so fast. How can I even recall? How do you even remember? <laughs> right. Uh, here's what I, th I thought was a pretty compelling argument of why Perry shouldn't be guilty of murder and the idea of self-defense here. Here's a guy with a gun explaining the difference between letting the rifle hang by its strap on your side. Okay. That's just like open carrying and having the rifle up 
on your shoulder. Well, it's not pointed at the person, but it's shouldered and it's right here where all you got to do is lift it up. Pop, pop. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. And so this so the guy. the gun is the problem. Then. The gun. Is. A lot of people saying foolish things about the shooting in Austin, Texas a few years back. This picture clearly shows the Antifa BLM terrorist has his weapon employed. That's significant. Here's why. This is Kerry. Not a fan of people running around with long rifles like this, but it's legal. This is employed. That matters. You know why? Bang, bang, you're dead. Bang, bang, you're dead. Bang, bang, dead. He killed Mickey Mouse. Bang, bang, <laughs> dead. That's about a half a second. This guy does not fit the room that he's in, by he's, the way. Is, is he in a spa somewhere? So strange. This is really weird. I have no idea. It's like, this is just where my wife has her camera set up. <laughs> it's kind of, but anyway... This goes to the idea of, of self-defense. Like, do you got to wait for the rifle to be pointed at you? Or someone walks up to your car uh, at what uh, Jeff said is high ready. This guy says employed, uh, where we know you can shoot very quickly, even if it's not pointed directly at you. You got to wait for him to move it up and point it right at your face? No, I don't think you do. No, I don't I, think, I don't do think well. so either. And all this goes to say, I do think it's the messages that ended up convicting him of him saying the things about wanting to shoot people or being glad that people got shot. And I don't think the messages should, in my opinion, I don't even think they should have been allowed in court because they had nothing to do with that specific case. Right. And whether or not someone has an opinion on something beforehand. But the prosecutors definitely argue that they, they could show premeditation. Yeah, premed- intent, you know, what, this is why he went down there. He was looking to kill someone. He wanted to kill someone. But the situation was just uh, was different. And uh, all of this goes to say, I don't know exactly where I come down on it. I always lean towards innocent on things. Um, but people on the internet, man, they just tend to know everything immediately. Yeah. And everything is black and, and white. They know the answer. There's no room for discussion at you all. You have to do something. You got you to gotta do something. And that's what we end up getting into And that's what annoys me. I've seen a lot of libertarians and people on the right saying this was clearly self-defense. He clearly needs pardoned. And a lot of people say, no, this was murder, clearly. And what I'm saying is, uh, just like what Magoo just said, it's just the politics involved. It was a, you know, if you switch out BLM protest with um, Jan 6 QAnon rally, Trump, Trump rally people. I know that we didn't get into the kind of stuff like they did with the BLM protest uh, when it comes to all that. But if you were to switch out the situation in the matter and in the fact that this guy that was killed actually was a Libertarian Party member um, and switch it out to a totally different rally or riot or whatever, would the people have the exact same argument if the shooter was instead a, uh, I mean, seriously, I'm just, I'll just draw it up for you. Same guy. And he's at a uh, a Trump rally, a anti lockdown rally, and the guy who shot him was a, a young black guy that says he felt threatened. Do you think everyone would be making the exact same arguments about this case? No, they pr- probably all of the people would shift polls immediately in this case, and that is what gets annoying to me. You know my official opinion on the matter? I don't know. 
that's what it is. I can't tell you what Daniel Perry meant to do or what he wanted to do or whether or not he legitimately felt threatened. I don't know. If I'm in that situation, I drive up on a crowd of protesters, they surround my car, and I see someone with half their face covered holding an AK-47 in a, in a ready-fire position. Um, am, I, am I fearing for my safety at that time? Am I, am I legitimately fearing for my life at that time? I probably am. I probably am. So maybe I just gave you the answer right there. But you see how much more thought this all took than just, I don't like this person, I like this person, so this is what happened. And unfortunately, that's the world that we live in right now. Charlie, he walked out because it's 1 p.m. and he's got a phone call to go attend to. So we're going to end the show covering two topics, not the six that we laid out to start with. And so we'll cover the rest tomorrow or Wednesday, or Thursday, or Friday, or whatever the day might be. I got two interviews lined up also this week, so there should be a lot of content coming out. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children, hit subscribe, hit share, hit follow, all those things. We got to grow this show because we got to get the ability to discuss topics with nuance and logic and rationality peacefully together with one another. We We don't all agree here in the Fed Haters Club about this. Some people... Uh, pretty strong on the idea that it, it, it wasn't murder. Some people strong on the idea that it was, I think, uh, potentially. And we're all still friends. This is still fine because we're all looking at this evidence and, and reaching a little bit different conclusions on it, but, but that's okay. And it's not because of the politics of the situation. It's just because of the facts of the case. So anyway, hopefully we can get to a world where everyone can do that. And we're going to get there by you guys sharing this show. If you do all of those things, and I mean all of them, we'll be right back here again tomorrow. Same Liberty time, same Liberty channel. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.